Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. I'm Brian Johnson. And I'm Kim Swanson. And what are we here to talk about today, Brian? Well, today we're going to talk about the top five ways state DOTs can get the most out of AASHTO Resources Services. Yes, that is what we're going to talk about today. And I'm actually pretty excited about this. I'm not sure why, but um, most of AASHTO Resources programs and services are included in the membership dues that AASHTO members, which our state DOTs are included with. So they pay for most of our services and help offset the cost of our services. Yeah, but they, <laughs> they pay those fees because they support the program and we deliver the program services for the DOTs so that they don't have to maintain their own version of this because a lot of them would. And, and I think that most of the participating laboratories in our program are very grateful that they do not because that... <laughs> Not because they wouldn't do a good job, but because they could potentially, if you're, uh, especially if you're in a, an area where there are quite a few states around, you could potentially have quite a few audits going on all of the time. And then uh, you're basically a full-time audit receiver and you have very little time to get work done. So the concept is that we can kind of consolidate those efforts into one program that is accepted widely by all the DOTs. Exactly. And we, ASHTO Resource, is just one of many services provided by ASHTO in general. So if you want more information about what ASHTO does in general, you can go to transportation.org. Now, with all that background out of the way, Brian, the first one on this list that we have is to require ASHTO accreditation for testing laboratories working on state projects. Care to explain? This is the ultimate in coverage that you can get from our program you get the assessments you get the proficiency samples you get the accreditation so when a state dot requires accreditation they get so much more oversight and so much more monitoring of the laboratory than they would get if they only required part of it so let me give you an example if I'm a DOT and I say, all, well, all you have to do is get the assessment every tour. Okay, so that means somebody's gonna go in there and evaluate the laboratory and make sure that they're in conformance with, well, actually not make sure that they're in conformance, but determine if they are in conformance with the standard requirements. And then they issue a report with all of the nonconformities and observations, and that's the end. Okay, so then you've got a lot of, loose ends to tie up at that point. So then the question is, okay, what do I do with that if I'm the DOT? Do I have my own staff make sure that they've resolved all these things? Do I just say, I, I'm going to have somebody review it and make a subjective determination on if we think that's good enough to be in conformance or if they have to get another assessment? There could be a number of ways to do it, but if you require accreditation, that laboratory will be required to resolve all of those nonconformities that were written in the report through the ASHTO accreditation program. And then we would identify the ones that have been resolved on our directory. So you have a way to verify it 
on the website and find out exactly what's going on. So that's a good benefit between just requiring an assessment and then requiring accreditation. Are there many states that do not require testing laboratories to be accredited? There are quite a few DOTs that don't require accreditation. Some of the DOTs have under 10 laboratories in the whole state. One of them has only one laboratory, and that is their own laboratory. That is something, and and we may have jumbled that up in the beginning, but what, you know, the, the DOT sponsor the program so that we can carry out these services on their behalf, but they also get the assessment, proficiency sample fees, accreditation fees covered for their central laboratory as part of that sponsorship. And in some cases, they have such a large scope of services that it's kind of a wash. We're providing like about the same amount of services that they would pay for if they were paying independently. So it really doesn't provide much for the general services that we provide in monitoring the other labs in their state. But it just depends on how much they want to cover. That gets a little complicated, but there are DOTs that aren't taking full advantage of the program. And we encourage them to do so, but it it does have to be the right fit for them. You know, like if I'm a DOT and I handle all of the testing, you know, I have my own labs. I don't hire a private company to do that testing. It really doesn't make a lot of sense for them to require accreditation in that case. But if they do, then it does because they get, then they get that uh, extra oversight. You know, I mentioned the assessment part. There are some DOTs that only require assessment. There are some DOTs that only require proficiency testing too. So then that's another way that you can look at this is, okay, if I'm a state DOT that requires only proficiency samples participation, then what do I do with that? So I might make everybody get certain samples and I might make them send me the results, but then I've also got this responsibility of making sure that they're in conformance, making sure that they're getting satisfactory ratings, making sure that if they get low ratings, I have to make sure that they have resolved whatever issues they are that led to the low ratings. I have to have policies and procedures related to what happens when it happens more than once and they don't resolve that. We have all those policies and procedures already and we do that. So if a DOT requires accreditation, that is built into that process, our monitoring of those ratings. That's helpful too. So I think that covers most of that. Can we move on to number two? Is there anything else I haven't asked you? Yeah, there's one other thing I want to mention about that. So there's there are some of the things that are not related to the programs of assessment and proficiency samples that are a side benefit. And one of those is if we are always looking out for bigger problems. We aren't like seeking them out, but when they are presented to us, we can take action. So one example would be fraud. And it is unusual for us to find fraudulent activity at a laboratory that's going through the accreditation process, but it it has happened. And when it does happen, we take action. And that may be just another layer of protection that a DOT can get by specifying our program. Those, those little unknown things that can happen. Another thing we, we look for is falsified records, which... I don't know if you want to call that fraud or not, but it's certainly not good. Sometimes it's an indication of lack of integrity. Sometimes it's an indication of lack of competency that is kind of just masked by just copying old records to new records and not knowing what they're doing. And those are things we watch out for. And because of the repetition of our processes, we have a chance of finding that out. 
Uh, and I don't know what all of the DOTs are doing for their monitoring, but if they are not looking at the same things over and over again like we are, they might not catch those issues. So moving on to number two on our list of top five ways state DOTs can get the most out of AASHTO resources services is require participation in the AASHTO resource proficiency sample program for all aggregate and asphalt suppliers. Would you care to elaborate on why that's the number two on their list? Yeah, so I talked about what the shortcomings are of just requiring proficiency samples and not accreditation. But let me talk about the benefits, especially when it comes to suppliers. And I would say more for hot mix asphalt suppliers or asphalt mixture suppliers. Uh, sometimes those uh, laboratories may not be too keen on going through the entire accreditation process. Now, some of them are. We do have quite a few producers of uh, asphalt mixtures that are in the program. But let's say you have 100 or more asphalt plants in your state and the paving association is is not really interested in pursuing accreditation for their members. There are other ways to provide monitoring and proficiency samples can be a good uh, in-between solution. The proficiency samples give you some objective numbers to determine if they are at least in the ballpark with the other laboratories in the program. Our proficiency sample program is globally used and it has a large and a wide distribution and it really gives us an opportunity to have meaningful data involved in the analysis. So when we have the average results, they can be relied upon. That is a little bit more reassurance than maybe a smaller program that only has a few laboratories. So, so like a certain amount of data you need to have uh, statistically significant results. Uh, we've got that and more just in the scale of our program. And that's a real benefit both to the participants and to the, the DOTs. Moving on to number three of the top five ways state DOTs can get the most out of AASHTO resources program. Number three is encourage your district laboratories to gain and maintain AASHTO accreditation. This is a really good idea for any DOT. If you have district laboratories, a lot of times that's where the conflicts take place and the materials acceptance takes place. So it, it would be, you know, it's good to have the central laboratory accredited. That's required by Federal Highway Administration. And, and, and that might be where some of the training takes place for district technicians and and managers but to get those district laboratories accredited it can give you some confidence in any of those conflicts that you may have on material acceptance in the field so if there is a dispute and that district laboratory is accredited and let's say the supplier or a contractor whoever it is third-party testing lab that is presenting the data is not accredited, then that gives you some, not just confidence, but some clout in that discussion. So if one party is accredited and the other is not, uh, if we flip it and say, let's say the district is not accredited and the other entity outside the DOT is accredited and there is some sort of um, process whereby a determination needs to be made of who is right, 
I would have a an, an idea that probably the accredited laboratory is going to make a better case of why their results should be trusted over the entity that is not accredited. Uh, so I think that's something for consideration by any of the DOTs that have not pursued getting their district laboratories accredited. It's also a great educational opportunity for the people at the district lab. We've seen ever since we've had the technical exchange, we've seen more of the people from the districts show up at these events and they usually get a lot out of it and, and it gives them an opportunity to interact with all kinds of labs around the country. Whereas a lot of times the central lab folks get more of an opportunity to do that. Uh, so I think just being in our program kind of opens some doors for, for people and gets them to know people outside the state, which can be a good way to just improve their understanding of some of the issues going on in the industry in general. Well said. Now, number four in the top five ways state DOTs can get the most out of our programs and services is sign up for our specifier functionality to take advantage of the free laboratory monitoring services. Now, this could be a podcast all on its own. So let's not go too into the weeds with this. But why is this number four on our list? Number one, it's free, which everybody loves free stuff, right? And and, it, and it's a really good service. So I would encourage anybody that is a specifying agency, a DOT, building department, even a regional uh, manager that is overseeing quite a few labs to sign up for this service. Because what it does, it gives you notifications anytime there's a a disruption to the accreditation of that laboratory. So if there is a problem, you won't find out about it later on. Uh, You'll find out about it uh, the next day at about 2 a.m. Eastern time when our notifications go out. There are monitoring tools that uh, allow you to get those notifications. And there are also more detailed ones if you have private access where you can find more information out about that that laboratory in question. If you're a laboratory listening to this, private access requires your approval. Uh, public access would just be something that's available on our website to the public. So a change in accreditation is reflected on the directory. That would be open for a public alert. So our specifier functionality has two main points. Uh, There's public access and private access. Why don't you tell us about the public access first? Okay, so public access means that a specifying agency or whoever signed up for this service, the specifier service, would get notifications anytime there is a change to the directory, which we would consider to be public information because you can access that information without being logged into our site. Uh, So let's say laboratory gets suspended that they're monitoring the next day, late in the evening, they will get an email from our system saying that laboratory was suspended for this, that and the other. Uh, It doesn't get into the details about why it happened. We consider that to be private information uh, and that private information would require agreement on the part of the laboratory to share that kind of information with them. So for laboratories, if they do have a change in their accreditation status, do you have any recommendations of how they should handle that? Because there could be specifiers monitoring that. Yeah. Now, I can't dictate what that specifier does with that information, but what I encourage them to do is open up a conversation with that laboratory to figure out what went wrong. It could be something minor. 
uh, that could have triggered it. It could, it could be an administrative issue, but it could be a quality issue. It could be repeat low ratings on proficiency samples, or it could be something more severe. But I, if I'm the specifier, I want to see that notification that that laboratory received because we explain exactly what happened and exactly what that laboratory needs to do to resolve that suspension. So if I'm a specifier, my first question when I get one of those, I reach out to the lab and say, please send me the notification that indicated why your laboratory was suspended. And I'd say if that laboratory is uh, not willing to share that information, you should be concerned. I can see that for sure. And so for state DOTs, signing up for this functionality provides a lot of ease for monitoring. So it's not, it takes out some of the the labor intensive monitoring that would need, would need to be done otherwise with these automated alerts and notifications and things like that, correct? That's right. Yeah. It, it, I mean, the, the program is only useful if it's easy to use. And, and this really makes it easy to use. So if it's an unrealistic expectation to think that somebody who's monitoring this lab is going to look every day to see if they were suspended. You know, this kind of takes the guesswork out and it automates that process of being notified. But it only works if you sign up for it and it only works if you keep your contact information up to date. So I I would encourage people to try that out if you haven't and understand the limitations. And again, I would encourage you to open up communication if you see a suspension rather than taking action right away. You know, like, uh, sometimes it's it's viewed as being so horrible that somebody got suspended that you need to stop work right away and do, take all these actions. I, I'd be hesitant to do that until you know exactly what went wrong because you may you may delay. It may cost you a lot of money. You know, you state a lot of money to to put the brakes on for something that's relatively minor. Uh, and I, I wish we didn't have to suspend over minor issues, but sometimes. We have to uh, because there are things that we need to know about the lab to make sure that they can be in conformance or that they are in conformance. But if they're not willing to share the information with us, we can't determine it. Uh, So sometimes that means the suspension has to happen to get that information. Otherwise, we're just not aware and we're saying that the laboratory is in conformance and we don't have any idea, which would be terrible. Uh, So we don't want to do that. Yep, and you can find more information about the specifier functionality on our website, ashtoresource.org slash specifiers. And there'll be a link in the show notes for that. Now, the number five way states can get the most out of Ashto Resources services and programs is to engage in Ashto Resources training materials and events. Care to expand on that? One thing about Ashto Resource is that we put a lot of effort into engaging with our customers, engaging with the industry, engaging with the sponsors, the DOTs, and other specifying agencies. Quite a few years ago, we took, I would say, an extraordinary step in that direction by hosting an annual technical exchange, which has become an annual event where we have lots of engaging live sessions with people who show up for these events. We have guests, presenters, we have our own staff presenting on all of these topics related to construction materials, testing, quality, workforce development. Yeah, I mean, you name it. If it's related to the industry, we try to get somebody to talk about it during these events. 
we have evening events and and ways for people to talk to each other and learn from each other and it the the reception to this has been overwhelmingly positive we are often just shocked at how much people tell us that they love this event and they can't wait for the next one and full disclosure, uh, I thought it was a terrible idea to have these. <laughs> why would somebody take their time to come to our event? And man, was I wrong. You were really wrong on that one. We've been hosting uh, the technical exchange since 2017. So we have a lot of years of experience now that has been quite a while. And, uh, our listeners can find out more information about the technical exchange at ashtoresource.org slash events. But we also have other events, right? We have other training opportunities that we host, whether it be live and in person or live virtually. And we have a lot of different things happening in webinars. And even this podcast can be seen as some type of training resource for, for people. That's right, Kim. We've got webinars. We've got the podcast. We've got training programs occasionally that we offer uh, at our building. That is something we're kind of trying out and have been trying out the last few years. I think there's probably something more there that that we'll be able to do. And we even offer individual one-on-one engagement with people who want it. So if somebody wants to have like a, a... a teams meeting to talk about a couple different things, you know, proficiency sample ratings, nonconformities on assessment reports, anything related to what we do. We're happy to uh, set time aside and give you some one-on-one attention to talk about whatever it might be. So keep that in mind. We're always looking for ways to engage with people and and spread information about quality, about materials testing, standards, you name it. We're happy to talk to you about it anytime. Yep. And if for those who are interested, our next technical exchange will be held in person in Fort Worth, Texas, March 27th through the 30th in 2023. So if you're interested, save the date for that. We encourage not only DOTs and their employees to attend those events, but for all customers and anyone in the industry. Uh, interested in the quality of construction materials testing. One other thing I want to mention about the technical exchange is that we try to spread it around uh, so we can get involvement from people in different regions of the country. So uh, we could come to your part of the country next year or maybe the year after. Thank you for going through our top five ways state DOTs can get the most out of AASHTO resources, programs, and services, Brian. Thank you for expanding on those. Yeah, no problem, Kim. I'm happy to do it. And, if, and I will mention one other thing. You thought you were done with me, but we I have been encouraging people on my staff to engage directly with the DOTs. So if you are a DOT and you're listening to this, we are happy to come to your office and hang out with you all day and talk about whatever you and your staff or your district staff or whoever you have around uh, that wants to talk to us. We will come to you and we will be there and present and and answer questions for you all day. So I actually have uh, uh, John McCabe and Tracy Barnhart are going to be going to Virginia DOT here pretty soon to have one such meeting. 
Uh, so if you're interested in that and your DOT, let us know and we'll see what we can do. Yep. And if you have any other suggestions on ways to expand our programs or make them more useful for you as a DOT, please reach out to us and let us know as well. Thanks for listening to AASHTO Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out AASHTO Resource's Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.